This is The Mitch Gray Show, where we are bringing the art of humanity back to leadership. Subscribe to The Mitch Gray Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Mitch Gray Media, where you'll find each of our episodes and other resources that will equip, inspire, and empower you to lead well. And now, The Mitch Gray Show. What is up, brothers and sisters? Welcome to The Mitch Gray Show, another great episode planned for you um, to be totally honest, we've taken a little bit of a summer hiatus that kind of happens in life, right? We need these moments of what I like to call hibernation. And for me in podcasting, it usually ends up being the summertime that I hibernate from, from producing more shows, but we're ramped up, ready to go for the fall and, uh, got some great guests on board and going to be doing some more solo shows soon. It's been a few years since I've done many solo shows and I'm ready to get back to that as well. But for today, a great guest, Mr. Paul Casey. Uh, Paul has been waiting patiently to be on the Mitch Gray Show. He scheduled a few months back because I was a few months out because of that said hiatus. And uh, Paul, we're glad to have you. Welcome to the Mitch Gray Show, brother. Mitch, great to be here. I took a little hiatus myself with a sabbatical in the summer, so I think it's a good practice. Hey, we're all in alignment, and it is a great practice. And to be quite frank, I should probably do more of it. What say you? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I experienced deep rest this time by taking more time than just a regular week off. So I'm a big fan to work out of an abundance of rest with a reservoir of rest. Man, that was really awesome. And isn't it crazy? We we so we're gonna we're gonna just riff for a second. How, how about that? <laughs> isn't it crazy how we know that about ourselves? Yet, what is it about us that just runs ragged? And then we're like, why am I so tired? And, and it's just this kind of crazy human behavior thing that if we're not intentional about it, we kind of just tend to forget. Oh, you are so true. And and I did it to myself, too. I'm like, I'm going to take most of July off. And then I, I did for five days. And then I went back to work for five days. And I'm like, why did I do that? I just got yanked back into the stress. So, so I had to escape again, like to get back to the place of rest that I had. So yeah, uh, there's just this pull, especially if you're an entrepreneur yeah. to just like, I love work, but I, I yeah, know. you got to rest. I know. Maybe we, we need a better accountability group. All these great people that I get to interview on the show, we all tend to have that same <laughs> behavioral pattern. So maybe we just need all of us. There's like, <laughs> gosh, I don't know, 100 people in that group already. And yep. maybe maybe between a few of us, we can hold each other. I'll, I'll tell you, at the end of last year, I made a commitment to myself that every about every 100 days, I would take a two-week sabbatical. Cool. And so that was to put, well, it's not so cool yet because, <laughs> because if you were to ask me to be honest, I'm coming up on what, what should be my third two week sabbatical in October and I haven't really succeeded yet. So we'll see how I do in October. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's just, I, I, you know, it's amazing. And we know after we take that rest, what you alluded to, we're so much better afterward and we feel good and we can give our best. Yeah. It's so amazing. So Anyway, Paul, thanks for being on the show. Great little <laughs> side note. Um, you're originally from Chicago, and you're a professional speaker. I've uh, been doing that for over 25 years. And just in the last four years, man, you've given over 300 presentations. Kudos to you, my friend. Uh, and you're also one of the leading authorities in leadership and personal growth. And your new book, and you're going to tell us a little bit more about that book as we have conversation today, is called Leading Through the Dark Waters of Conflict. So we're going to take a little bit of a different approach for people that are either listening and have heard you on other podcasts or heard some of your, your talks, or maybe people that are just getting introduced to you. 
Uh, you and I are both in similar fields where we are in the leadership, uh, the leadership genre. We we consult and coach and speak on all things leadership. But we're going to take that word from your book, conflict. And what's interesting to me, and this is going to lead to our big question to jump us out. What's interesting to me is I deal with clients in the business world. Got my gosh, the last three years there has been so much conflict for all of us, but especially for those in the workplace and for leaders in the workplace. And it went from, you know, really having to suddenly shift how things are done to then kind of gradually returning to some form of normalcy, yet not everyone was ready to return to that. Mm -hmm. So now all of a sudden over the last six to eight months, really swinging pretty quickly into kind of full what we knew as normalcy. But again, um, there there's some really uh, some deep issues that are rising to the surface that people you know haven't really faced before. I'm of the belief that these aren't really new issues. They're just manifesting in a different way. And a lot of this is just simple human behavior, but it is causing some really powerful conflict between leadership, between employee, between customer expectation of said businesses and organizations that has shifted. And so my big question to you, and then we'll kind of walk our way down to the tip of the spear as we talk, what, what, What's the one kind of solid piece of advice or suggestion you can give a leader in today's environment and culture? It's very different than what it was three years ago. The temperature is different. The atmosphere is different. The expectation is different. So when it comes to empowering employees, really serving the customer or client, What's a real solid foundational pillar piece of advice or suggestion you could say, hey, dear leader, here's what you're going to need now and moving forward? Yeah, it's a great question. I'm going to say be curious and lead with empathy because the days are done where a leader jumps up on the box and says, we're going this way and hope you all get on, you know, get on the train with me and don't really care about your feelings. Uh, because, you know, we're headed this direction. You can jump off if you need to. Uh, uh, we can't do that anymore. We have to be curious about what people need, what people want, what people are looking for in a, in a position, uh, why they might disagree with us on something, actually maybe mine for some conflict to find out uh, what's been driven underground during COVID. Because I really think, Mitch, that a lot of these conflicts were just driven underground, yes. uh, either pre-COVID or during COVID. And then all of a sudden, you know, they come up as these little mushroom clouds all over the place. And no, we shouldn't be surprised about that. Yeah, you're exactly right. What's the phrase people often use? Uh, sweeping it under the rug. Yes. <laughs> and that's, you know, it was, it was often denial, right? It was often denial. I, I demanded what people do. They didn't do what I wanted them to do. We didn't care about why or what oftentimes. And it was just pushed under the rug. I want to I want to kind of pull the thread on a couple of ideas you mentioned. Number one, it's curiosity, mm -hmm. and number two, this idea that you alluded to. I'm going to fashion it in a little different way. This idea of actually empowering conflict. I think your words were mining that conflict a little bit. How can that curiosity actually lead to empowering a moment of conflict? Yeah, I, I'm going to steal from another speaker. I think his name was Wayne Cordero. He said, most of us don't like conflict, right? So try to reframe conflict as the pursuit of truth. 
So if you're thinking about like, I have to have a difficult conversation with one of my people or someone in my family, I'm like, man, I don't want to do that. You know, and you get butterflies in your stomach, you start getting fearful of their response, blah, blah, blah. All these, these horrible things go through your mind. But if you start thinking, okay, this is the pursuit of truth. Okay, we're just trying to get to the bottom of something. We're trying to get on the same page. We're trying to get to a solution. And I don't know, it just, it just helps me when I reframe it that way, because we're going to hopefully leave a united front. Now, we may not, but we're going to at least learn something about each other, where we're coming from, which is now going to probably add respect to the equation. That's amazing. So when we're chasing that truth, how do we go about creating a culture that brings about a safety, uh, the, the safe space to really chase that truth? Because I think oftentimes people say they want the truth, but <laughs> what they really want is their version of the truth. And so it's this idea of creating a space, a, a cultural foundation that says everyone's truth is safe here. And we're going to bring that to the table because we all want to go about this in, in, in our most fullness, because that's really what brings about that sustainable success. So how does someone go about creating that culture, that atmosphere where we have safety in that truth? I love that word safety. And what we're talking about, of course, is psychological safety and everything that I'm reading on uh, great team leadership uh, in pandemic and post pandemic is Team leaders have to create a culture of psychological safety yes. in order to get the best stuff from their people, both discretionary effort, you know, on one side versus just the truth and um, finding out where people are at right now on the other side. So I think a leader has to establish some ground rules in their company and their team uh, with, a, with their core team around them. Uh, it'd be great if it comes from the people themselves not just from the leader uh, and having a nice little, you know, I'll come into to groups and I'll facilitate um, uh, strategic planning sessions. And I always start with the ground rules because a lot of them have been operating without the psychological safety. And now they're looking to me da, 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 to come in, you know, and make everything <laughs> safe for them to be able to share what that's really been on their heart and, and in their mind. And so we start with ground rules and there's a whole bunch of good ones, you know, that people come up with from, assuming positive intent and everyone has a voice and push back respectfully. We can explore any of those, right? Mm -hmm. But they're, each one of those then, when they all agree together, it sets this culture of candor in the room, but it's a respectful candor. It's like, okay, we're gonna say what really matters, but we're not gonna attach to the outcome. We're not gonna take this personally. I like the Q-tip principle, which is, quit taking it personally, but now I don't pass out Q-tips anymore because right. we all just shudder right. when we think of a Q-tip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I still yeah. like the acronym, quit taking it personally. So so those are some ways to, to establish ground rules as a leader. So you start forming a culture where this is normal. Mm. I was uh, actually in a leadership meeting yesterday with a client. And I, for those for those that don't see the video of this, I'm smiling as you're saying all of this because I lived <laughs> it less than 24 hours ago, literally. <laughs> but you know what? What's amazing, Paul, is for for people like you and I who really get to be the facilitators of those opportunities. A, the miracle never ends; mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it it is repetitive time and time again. 
and it never it never become loses its beauty. It's always one of the most majestic things that I ever had the honor of witnessing is humans coming together, setting aside some portion of their differences and saying, okay, how can we really have full intention to be together on all of this, to still bring our authenticity to the table? And in fact, when taking part in, in the very opportunities you're uh, so wonderfully spelling out, they actually get to live with more of their authenticity mm-hmm. because they've created that safe space and that culture that that is that is the epitome of the word empowerment, is it not? Yeah. That everyone gets to live within their full authenticity. And so how can conflict potentially be a launching point for creating that safe space? And, and by the way, I'll just concur with you on what a beautiful honor it is in our profession to be able to watch groups come together. And I, too, uh, just, you know, as I'm driving to the site of the leadership meeting going, um, you know, and, and I'm a faith guy, so I'm just praying for favor and that this is going to be great, you know, and that, that they're going to get their outcomes. And uh, and I'm just I'm just always in awe when it all comes together and the team leaves as a united front. So yes, I just want to concur with that. And now, now I forgot your question, but. Uh. <laughs> really, it's the idea of how, how can conflict become a launching point yes. for creating the safe space? Yeah, because I really think it can if empowered properly. So tell us how. Yeah, well, it's like there's a cork in each person yeah. uh, of this uh, of their own wisdom and uh, the elephant in the room that they've been wrestling with. And it, it's like corked inside people until conflict is given space uh, for uh, for that to come out in a healthy way. Usually, you know, it often doesn't come out in healthy ways when the cork shoots up like a beach ball, you know, trying to be pushed <laughs> under the water and, and, it, and it launches. And that's when people go on performance improvement plans and disrespectful <laughs> meetings happen. And it's like, could, could we get ahead of that somehow? Yeah by facilitating conflict conversations in a more healthy way, because when it happens and it gets out on the table, you just see people go like, whoa, like you, you believe that, or you felt that way, or I had no idea that that was, that tension was going on inside of you. And then there's this understanding wave that comes through the room that just makes people lean in instead of pushing back with their arms folded and pouty face, you know, and it's just like, Okay, now the curiosity has free reign. Now we're going to start saying, help me understand where you're coming from with that. And tell me more, all those great those great phrases that people use when they're curious. So right. then we actually get somewhere because the elephant of the room is no longer corked inside of people. I'm going to surmise that in one word. The idea of compassion begins to mm. take, take hold. Yes. That, you use the word empathy, and I'm 100% in line with you. Yes. Um, but but it really is when we're truly allowed and given the permission to kind of unfold what's taking place internally. And by the way, if you're a leader listening to this, all of the people around you have an internal story playing out. Mm-hmm. And one of the greatest honors you have as a leader is to choose to either listen to and empower that story or to shut that story down. You get to decide as a leader. We can sit here, Paul and I can sit here probably for 10 hours and tell you what's going to happen, whichever path you take. And it will happen that way because that's just what that's the way it goes. But you get to choose as a leader. That is the honor of being a leader. You get to choose how you listen to that story and your response to that story. 
when you respond in the way that you're talking about, Paul, that is the very act of compassion. I get to know more. I get to dig deeper. I get to have that curiosity. I get to connect and build relationships. Mm. And what's amazing to me is everyone understands that at a certain level. It's just we often lose our ever-loving mind in different areas of life. (laughs) (laughs) And so then the question becomes, how does a leader become proactive in creating these opportunities? Yeah, and by the way, compassion, you probably know this means to suffer with, right? Passion and co. So so it's it's choosing to be to enter the the struggle or the danger zone with another person. And so yeah, I totally concur with you on that on that key word of leading with compassion. How does a leader do it? Well, um, like I said, setting ground rules for their team that are not just for that one strategic planning session, but for their ongoing. <laughs> yeah, this isn't isolated, right? You're right? not doing this just one. Just today. <laughs> We're going to be cool with each other today. Right. Uh, and I'll say, like, you probably want to get these typed up and laminate them and keep yeah, them in the wall. center of the conference room yeah. table, you know, from here on on. And then they got to call each other on it because the first yes. violation of, um, you know, incivility needs to be called on the carpet. Like, whoa, remember our ground rules. Like, we got we got to get back to that because whatever we tolerate increases. So that's why we have to confront and a leader must confront or they've now just lowered the bar for everyone to behave, you know, below the line. So I think you have to have accountability as a, a piece of this psychological safety. I love that. And that accountability, you know, you're, you're really alluding to something that I think is very important. And that is actually having a system of accountability. Um, One thought that I love sharing is until you earn the trust of the people around you, you have no right to hold them accountable. Mm. And that is the baseline to be building a system of accountabilities. If you don't have trust, then how in the world are you ever going to have permission to hold people accountable? Yep. And so that trust is so critical. And that really harkens back to something you said earlier about, you know, kind of how back in the day, it was just a bunch of drill sergeants demanding that people work because they're giving them a paycheck. And I've heard arguments from old timers time and time again. Well, hey, at least back in our day, people stayed at the job. And I'm like, yeah, but staying at the job doesn't equate to pleasure and willingness and enjoyment. (laughs) Right. Half the people you were around were miserable. They just didn't say anything. And so it is that kind of mythological unicorn in the sky that, well, if people stay here 20 years and it means they're enjoying their time. Well, no, not necessarily. They may just not know they have other opportunity. And so how does a leader really stay sharp? If someone's listening to us and they're kind of going, man, I've been having problems. We've got some conflict. I like these ideas that Paul's throwing out there. What are some, you know, maybe one or two real tangible internal steps that a leader can take before they get to the point of creating those boundaries and holding people accountable? The first one I would say is you got a relationship build because just like you said, trust is the baseline of all relationships, including in business. And leadership is relationships. I hope all listeners agree with me and are nodding their head, right? Leadership is relationships. And when you have trust, um, people are going to give you the benefit of the doubt. They're, you're going to make a mistake and they're going to be like, oh, but I know that my leader cares about me. So I'm sure that they were doing it for a pure motive or, you know, they're, they're just going to give you more slack if you do that. So, so the first tip I would say is get close to your people. We impact, leaders impact their people up close, not from behind a desk or from a podium or via an email, right? They, they, they have to get close to their people. So one-to-one relationships with direct reports and uh, town hall meetings 
with the whole group. And then in between, attending uh, department meetings once in a while, just popping in, being visible. Um, one of my clients says leaning on door frames, you know, meaning going office okay. to office. Uh, okay. If you're in the virtual world, uh, just, just scheduling some chit chat, uh, a Zoom meeting with or a Teams meeting with one of your people that you haven't seen because they're remote. Um, you just have to get close to your people to build that trust because they even did a study where for every square foot you are away from people, the trust level goes down. I don't even know how they correlated that study, wow. but isn't that powerful? It was wow. it was leaders and their admin assistants. And so the closer they were, the closer their relationship tended to be. So you've got to get close to your people first. I, I believe that study without even knowing who did it, how they did it, or what began. I, I believe it. I firmly believe it. It just makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. That's so amazing. Uh, Paul, as we kind of begin wrapping up the discussion a little bit, I want to dive into, first of all, amazing, amazing knowledge and wisdom there. I want to dive into so people can kind of have some affirmation of, of who this Paul Casey guy is. One of my favorite questions and thoughts is to ask people about their journey. So how in the world did you find yourself teaching leaders, speaking about leadership and writing about it? What's a little bit of your journey that kind of led you to this moment in time? Yeah, so I started out as a teacher, a fifth grade teacher, went to school uh, to be an elementary school teacher. After a couple of years there, my boss, the principal of the school, saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, and that was leadership. And uh and, you know, more people I talk to say that the biggest growth spurts in their life was through a mentor, someone who believed in them more than uh, they believed in themselves and took them to the next plateau. And so this guy who I actually had on my own podcast just a month ago, we're still connected. Uh, he promoted me to vice principal when I was just 24 years old. I taught PE and then uh, that. So that was my first leadership test. A few years later, moved up here to the great state of Washington and uh, became an elementary school principal at 26, which is very young. And uh, then I then I was taking my, you know, taking my licks in leadership, right, where people had different personalities, and people weren't just doing whatever I said. And, uh, you know, I had to really start studying leadership. I started reading leadership books about age 30. Now I read 52 of them a year. So I mean, I'm now I'm a junkie, a little OCD right, with that, I would right. say. <laughs> but um uh, so I was teaching at teaching conventions, uh, teacher conventions, I'm doing seminars, and uh, leadership just kept bubbling to the surface as the thing I'm drawn to, no matter where I am. And I realized that if we can impact the leaders of our society, in companies, in business and government, in religion, everywhere, then they're all going to help all the people underneath them. It's like multiplication, not addition. It's not just developing one person at a time. And I think that's what has stirred my passion to commit my life to it. Mm, I love that. Such an amazing story. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Paul, tell everyone where they can find um, where they can find your book, first of all, uh, Leading Through the Dark Waters of Conflict, and then also where they can you know, kind of follow you, touch base with you, however uh, you like to connect with folks. Thank you. Uh, yes, growingforwardservices.net. GrowingForwardServices.net is if you go to the store, uh, all of my five books are there. They're just little books. You can read them in an hour and a half uh, because the average American only reads one book a year, which is right. tragic as I think about that. But <laughs> but I want it to be readable. I want to just pack a punch with a lot of stuff in a very short uh, little book. So GrowingForwardServices.net on social media, on LinkedIn, I'm at Paul D. Casey. 
Don't go to Paul Casey because he's a professional golfer. <laughs> And I'm, I'm just a duffer, so don't go there. Uh, Paul D. Casey, and then Growing Forward Services on Instagram and Facebook. Love that, Paul. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the Mitch Gray Show. Any last thought you would like to leave with the people before we sign off? You know, I would say that uh, for all leaders, vision is probably next to relationship building is your number one leadership skill to develop. You have to have vision for yourself and your development and a vision for your team and company. And it's just going to be great things that come out of having that vision. So keep growing forward. Here, here, my friend. I'm 100% in alignment with you on that as well. So, Paul, thanks for coming on the show. It was a pleasure to talk with you about leadership and about your work uh, make sure you follow us on social media, M Gray Media or LinkedIn. Just look up Mitch Gray, G-R-A-Y. Subscribe to the Mitch Gray Show. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, like it, give us a review and refer a friend. So thanks for listening to the show. We will talk to you soon.